Well, I want to add my uh, welcome to that of Tim's. It's so wonderful to see you all here, and particularly friends and family of every, all of those children that have been baptized. Just fantastic to celebrate with Mary and Lyra and Naomi and Elijah and Reuben. What a fantastic morning we're having together. Uh, we are in uh, the start of a little series, a mini-series called People of the Spirit, People of the Spirit. And what I want to focus on this morning is the work of the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to have two readings, and they're going to be at different points in the talk. Um, the first one is going to be now, so here we go. From Mark's Gospel, it's a short reading, but it's a really significant reading. It is the account of Jesus' baptism. So I'm reading Mark chapter 1, verses 9 to 11. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. Jesus came from Nazareth. That was his hometown. It's where his family lived, where he grew up. As we know, at Christmas time, we celebrate he was born in Bethlehem, but his childhood home was Nazareth. And this was a small, insignificant town in Galilee, not far away from the sea, the huge lake of Galilee. And it was a small town, so it was a place where everybody knew everyone. So they would know that the family business, of which Jesus was a part, was Joseph's business. And Joseph is described in the Gospels as a carpenter. That's our translation for that word. But actually, the word in the original Greek, technon, is a little bit wider than just simply a carpenter. It references a stone mason, a house builder, as well as carpentry. And there was a massive new development. I mean, we're used to new developments in Cambridge, aren't we? There was a big new development near Nazareth called Zephyrus. And it is likely that Joseph would take Jesus as part of his apprenticeship to build the houses in Zephyrus nearby. So there's a family likeness. There's an, to Jesus' family on earth, there's a family likeness. He was following in his father's footsteps as he learnt that trade, as he was apprenticed, as he was the artisan of that trade. And this morning, we've uh, seen some family likenesses, haven't we? As we've seen people stand up in front of us. And earlier on this week, Tim came in to 9 o'clock prayers, to which you're all welcome to, nine, uh, to 9.30 every weekday. And Tim uh, brought Elijah, and they were both wearing puffer jackets. And I thought, yep, there's the family likeness right there. Um, the only difference was that Elijah's puffer jacket, one of those sleeveless kind of gilet-type things, had dinosaurs on it. And so, slight, slight difference. And uh, Tim, I'm waiting to see you in your bow tie to see as what Elijah was wearing this morning. So Jesus was very much an ordinary man, <laughs> brought up in an earthly family. 
And just like everyone in the Judea, just like everyone in the Judean area, he headed to the Jordan River to be baptized with water by his cousin John. And that's where this extraordinary event takes place. The language here is of heaven being torn open. I mean, that's extraordinary by any standards. I can't quite imagine what that looks like, but that's what Mark records from eyewitness accounts. Here's what one commentator, Joel Marcus, says. In Mark, God has ripped the heavens irrevocably apart at Jesus' baptism, never to shut them again. Through this gracious gash in the universe, God has poured forth his spirit into the earthly realm. So I like to think of heaven being all around us rather than up there. Heaven's just a kind of curtain being drawn back away from us. God's presence is around us. And the reading that we've read is a hugely significant moment. Up to this point, people know about Jesus' earthly family, Joseph and Mary and his younger brothers and sisters. But here, for the first time since his birth in his life on earth, there is revelation on what I'm going to call Jesus' heavenly family. Here, we have revealed God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And the action, the work of the Holy Spirit described in this short passage is of anointing. The Holy Spirit descending on Jesus, anointing Jesus. And in a few months' time, I think it's in, yes, yeah, May, isn't it? We're going to see King Charles III anointed with oil as he's made king over these islands. Well, for Jesus, he is anointed as king by the Holy Spirit. And even more than that, he is anointed as Messiah. That means savior. And Messiah, the Messiah was somebody who represents his people. So Jesus being anointed has significance for us. And we'll come back to that later. So at this baptism, we see the anointing and then we hear the affirmation. The father speaking, you are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Tom Wright uh, summarizes this by saying, the whole Christian gospel could be summed up in this point, that when the living God looks at us, at every baptized and believing Christian, he says to us, what he said to Jesus on that day. He sees us, not as we are in ourselves, but as we are in Jesus Christ. Let's just take that in for a moment. God, the creator of the universe, speaks over each one of us here who are followers of Jesus. You are my child, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. God loves you. God even likes you. And God 
is proud of you. Maybe that's something that you've never thought that you would hear about how God views you. But God offers unconditional love through his son Jesus to all humanity, every person. So, up to this point, the first 30 years of Jesus' life, he's demonstrated his earthly family likeness. Living with his family in Nazareth, working, building houses with Joseph, worshipping at the synagogue, eating, sleeping, doing all the things that we do. From this point on, this point of the baptism, Jesus demonstrates his heavenly family likeness in the way that he lives the rest of his life on earth. In those three years, Jesus does the type of stuff you would expect God to do. Healings, miracles, raising the dead, pronouncing forgiveness for sins, casting out demons, breaking and exposing systems of injustice, attending to the poor and the vulnerable, providing food for those in need, creating family and endorsing those extended family households, inspiring hope. And as we heard last week, Jesus counters the devil with powerful statements of biblical truth. He stands firm in his identity that he is the Son of God. And that's why that song that we sung earlier about Jesus being Lord over everything is true. We can sing that with belief and certainty. So Jesus' life from his baptism onwards fulfilled his mission, his calling to bring God's kingdom here on earth and to build the bridge for humans to walk across into an unbreakable relationship with God. Jesus did this, made this bridge by suffering and dying on the cross, dying in our place so that we can live a fulfilled life here on earth and move on into eternal life at our death. That's why uh, this, the shape of the cross is so significant because it shows us the up and down, our relationship with God. That's us being part of the heavenly family. And then it shows that we're part of the earthly family, extending to the people around us. And Jesus, through his death on the cross, made that bridge that we can walk across to be in relationship with God. Now, before Jesus died, he promised his followers that he would send his Holy Spirit to them, to live with them and to be with them. John 14 records, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. That final statement, again, it's that family language. 
Jesus counting us as part of the family. And that promise of him sending the Holy Spirit, that advocate, was fulfilled on the day called Pentecost, where the Holy Spirit was poured out on the followers of Jesus. It's known, that day is known as the birth of the church. And this also fulfilled John the Baptist's words, recorded just slightly earlier in Mark's gospel. He said, I baptize you with water to the people who are coming. I baptize you with water. It was the Jordan water. It's a bit mucky, the water, uh, the Jordan water, but that's what he used. And then John pointed to Jesus and he said, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And there's lots of different ways that the Holy Spirit works. The one aspect that I'm drawing out this morning is that the Holy Spirit reveals the family likeness. When people accept Jesus as Lord of their life, the Holy Spirit affirms their place in God's family, the same heavenly family that Jesus is part of and demonstrated here on earth. And that's our family too. We heard earlier from the baptism liturgy where we shared that creed together. Do you believe and trust in God the Holy Spirit who gives life to the people of God and makes Christ known in the world? That's the work of the Holy Spirit at work amongst us this morning. Gives life to the people of God and makes Christ known. So I want to turn now to our second reading from Romans chapter 8. Again, it's quite a short reading, but it picks up on this point of what the Holy Spirit does in identifying us as part of the family of God. Here goes, Romans chapter 8, verses 14 to 17. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption into sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. So the Holy Spirit will testify who Jesus is. We read that in John's Gospel, chapter 15, verse 26. So the Holy Spirit will testify, will say who Jesus is. And the Holy Spirit will also tell us who we are in God's family. Verse 16 from our reading. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. We are part of God's family. That is our identity. That is who we are. And that's what's happened this morning with these baptisms of these wonderful children. We're adopted into the family of God. And that... Uh, the, the Greek word, which we've got translated here as adoption to sonship, is a term referring to the full legal standing of an adopted male heir in Roman culture. We are brought into the full inheritance rights, the full standing. We're named as children of God. And those full rights apply to us as women 
as equally as they apply to men. It's one of those strange things about language in the Gospels we, and in the Bible. We have to, the language of God doesn't kind of encompass everything. Sorry, the English language doesn't encompass everything of the language of God. So women, we have to get over the fact that we're sometimes called sons. And men, you have to get over the fact that sometimes you're called brides. How do you feel about that? You're looking good. Thanks, Tom. A lot of nodding there. Excellent. But the important thing in that is that we are named as children of God. And we're heirs of God. I mean, let's just stop in that moment. Heirs of God who created the whole universe. And we're co-heirs with Christ. We're brothers and sisters with Christ, with Jesus. We are brought into the full inheritance rights. And if we get this, it brings... Well, I wrote here a massive difference. And I thought, well, that doesn't really cut it, really, does it? So I'm going to say a seismic shift... Is that a bit closer? I mean, it's huge. You know, co-heirs with Christ? I mean, I just... That's who we are as part of the heavenly family. And we, we get to call the Father Abba. Now, I'm not talking there about some computer-generated aging Swedish pop group, though, of course, Dancing Queen was something that I quite enjoyed when I was growing up. No, Abba is the special word that Jesus called to address his father. When Jesus prayed, he was the only one to say Abba. Abba, which can be translated daddy, it can be translated my father, my dad. And when he said it, when he walked the earth, people around him were shocked and horrified. How can you possibly call God, the eternal, the almighty, my dad? And what this reading tells us is that not only does Jesus call the Father, Abba, my dad, but because we are children of God, because we're co-heirs, we can call God my dad. Abba. And that is what the Holy Spirit does. You see, it's the, by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. So, yes, we are part of an earthly family. Whether that's been a good or a bad experience, we all have blood relatives, and we carry the family likeness. My sister was standing here beside me today, and my brother on the other side. We look very different. We're different heights. We're different shapes. But there is something about us. You can tell we are brothers and sisters. We carry that earthly family likeness. And you could see that clearly across the baptism families this morning. So we're part of that earthly family. But what the Holy Spirit does is to testify with our spirit that we're God's children. We're part of the heavenly family. What a contrast that is unpacked for us here in that short passage of Scripture. From we, Instead of being someone who's a slave in the household... Someone who has no rights, no standing, governed by uncertainty and fear. We become someone being counted as adopted into sonship. Full inheritance rights, 
counted as children of God, counted as co-heirs with Christ, governed by security and unconditional love. So think back to that statement that we heard from the baptism. The Father, speaking over the Son, you are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. I think, and I know, that we need help to believe that the words that God stated over Jesus at his baptism are the words that God declares over his followers too. See, when Jesus was around with his disciples, he could back that statement up and say, you're loved by God the Father, because Jesus was there on earth, and he could just say that directly. But Jesus deliberately left the Holy Spirit so that after his death, the Holy Spirit can say that to us too. It's difficult to believe those words just on our own. We need that affirmation of the Holy Spirit. And especially when we go through difficulties or times of suffering, it's so important to receive that identity. God loves you. God is proud of you. You know, I loved my earthly dad when he was alive, Sandy McLaurin. On Sundays, he would wear a kilt in the McLaurin tartan, clearly. But he would tell me off. I mean, I know it's hard to believe. I look as if, you know, Anne, would you ever do anything wrong? Some people know me very well. Yes, of course I did. So, still do. But, and he would tell me off. So sometimes when I come to my heavenly father, I've got that resonating in my head, that I'm about to be told off. Well, that's where I need to have the Holy Spirit saying to me, God loves you, Anne. God's proud of you. That's my primary identity with God as his child. And yes, the Holy Spirit does convict me of when I've been selfish. And then I bring my confession to God. I ask for forgiveness. And because of Jesus' death and resurrection, I'm fully forgiven. And I'm back in that joyful receiving of being chosen and free. Living a life of liberty. One commentator says, we orient our life towards God and we become one with him through the gift of the life of Jesus. We live out that life. We demonstrate the realities of that life by the fact that the Holy Spirit who lives within us gives us the capacity to continue to orient our lives towards God and to live in the joy and liberation of what it means to live as the child of God. Because now we've become one with God because we're one with his son. So essentially, that was a one-point sermon. It took quite a long time to say. You've probably heard me repeat the same thing quite a lot there, but I think it's because it's quite difficult to get hold of, isn't it? It's such a big concept that we are called children of God. And I want to say, if you're here this morning and you've never, ever thought that applies to you, you've been sitting here thinking, that's... No idea what Anne's talking about there. But I'd like to find out more. Well, there are two ways you can do that. You can speak to anybody who's been up the front here this morning, worship band, anybody in a red T-shirt. Uh, we're going to offer prayer in a moment. You're really welcome to come forward and just talk to some of the prayer team. Um, and if you live in Cambridge, we're starting this Alpha course. 
And I would love to give you a copy of this book, Why Jesus? That's whether you live in Cambridge or not, actually. You can have a co- I'd love to give you a copy of this book. If you live in Cambridge, come to Alpha in my home. Um, but if you're thinking this morning, I want to find out more about what Anne's talking about, then I'd love to give you a copy of this book. It's called Why Jesus, and it's got some great explanations within it. If you're already part of the family, you already know that you're part of the Heavenly Father. I want to ask you this question this morning. Do you inhabit that identity fully as the child of God? And the challenge for us is to show the family likeness in our lives today. It's not only receiving that identity, it's living that identity. Picking some of those actions that I said about Jesus earlier on. Forgiveness, bringing justice, praying for healing for people. Are we living that reality out in our lives around us? Might be that you're facing something in the workplace that might lead to suffering or difficulty, but you know that you have to do it. Do you know that the Holy Spirit is speaking over you the words of the Father? God loves you. He's proud of you. Take that step of faith. So we're going to come now to a time of prayer, a time of ministry where we have the opportunity to receive that identity of what the Holy Spirit is, as, is, does amongst us. So I'm going to invite Andy and the band to come forward to get ready to lead us in uh, worship. And I want to ask this question. Honestly, this morning, what's your posture before God? Do you see yourself as a slave or as a child? Do you want to move from being a slave to being a child? Is there stuff from your family background, your earthly family background, that's holding you back from embracing your heavenly identity? Come, Holy Spirit, show us what that could be and set us free.